Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Anybody selfish here? <laughs> Everybody. That's my sin nature. And number two, the reason marriage is hard work forever is because Satan is out to destroy our marriages. So there's a spiritual aspect of it, and there's my fleshly aspect of it. The day you get married, what you battle is self and Satan. It never changes. It never goes away. Marriage is tough. Even when both spouses are working at making their marriage the best they can, it's really hard. Many in the world and some in the church have given up on marriage altogether, opting for living together without matrimony. In Pastor Mark's teaching today, he'll talk about the difficulty of making marriage work. You'll learn some of the reasons the marriage relationship is hard. You'll find out about God's original intention for marriage and how you can incorporate that in your life. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Matthew chapter 19 as he begins his message together and loving it. can turn to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 19 in your Bibles. In our world, strange things happen. And I want to show you a true story of a couple who had been married for many years and then divorced. The title of the article was, Divorce Turns into a House Divided. Let me tell you what happened as a judge made this ruling. A judge orders partition built in couple's living room. Now, they're already divorced. Neither wanted to move out of their home, so Simon gets the living room on the first floor. His wife, in this Brooklyn home, gets the dining room on the second floor. So that the bickering spouses don't run into each other, the door between the dining room and the kitchen is also barricaded on both sides. Is there something wrong with this picture? Aggravation, divorce, bitterness divides us. Do you think that's what God designed when he created marriage? No, far from it. And so we want to look together at the topic of marriage, here's the title of my teaching today, Together and Loving It. Now, you might be single, or you might be divorced, or you might be separated, or widowed, 
these principles, four principles only today, are going to help you. In any one of those cases, obviously, if you're married, for sure, they're going to apply to you. Let's begin in Matthew chapter 19, verse 4. By the way, Jesus was speaking to the religious leaders, and they were asking him about divorce. And so instead of going to divorce, Jesus says, well, let me tell you about God's design of marriage. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female. And he said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two, watch this, will become one, one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, and you've heard this before, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Jesus does an amazing thing. He says to the religious leaders who are talking about divorce, he said, well, let's go back to God's plan. And they go back thousands of years ago. And notice this first statement. Haven't you read? In other words, in Genesis, where this comes from, nothing had changed for thousands of years. And I want to say kindly to our world today, nothing has still changed in God's plan for marriage. He made a man and a woman, and they were to be married for life. What does that relationship look like? What was God's picture of a marriage? Here's a triangle that tells us, shows us very visually how that works. Notice it's a triangle. God at the top, a husband and a wife. The husband and wife are in relationship with each other. They're also in relationship with God. Not religion. Not somebody, the husband comes every four weeks and the wife comes every six months to a church or they go to separate church. No, they have a personal relationship with God. You see, as God designed marriage, even in the garden, it wasn't a twosome. It was a threesome. And it has never changed. Now the world just cuts off God. The world has nothing to do. When they say marriage... They define the people down below different. Two men, two women, doesn't matter. Live together, forget marriage. They just change it all. And God isn't anywhere in the picture. But this is not what God planned. Now, those of you who are single, that's what you're headed toward. Those of you who are married, that's what you're supposed to be doing. Those of you that are divorced, God wants to bring you back into a place where that works. You see, you can't leave the designer of our marriages out of the marriage and expect them to work. So God simply goes back and he says, here's how it's to be. To show you how confused the world is, and I wish I didn't have to say this, but how confused the church is about marriage, let me read you an article. This is an article, an editorial in the Guardian newspaper in England by Jill Twilley. It's entitled, When Marriage is a Cage, she says this. Now, most people blame the rising divorce rate on our godlessness, our selfishness, and our lustfulness. By the way, she's got that right. That's exactly the reason for divorce. 
but she's making fun. I blame it on the wrongful expectation of thinking that two people can live together as long as they both shall live. Ha ha. I think this expectation goes against our deepest nature. It stunts our growth and it requires us living distorted lives. Well, is that really what God said? Hey, Adam and Eve, I want you to live together. And by the way, marriage is called a cage. And as you live together, well, it's going to go against anything that you really want to do. And in fact, it's going to stunt your growth. You're going to be miserable and your life is going to be distorted the whole time. Have a nice life. Well, see, that's what the world thinks. And that's because the world's expectations don't match God's expectations. We don't have to be confused at all about marriage and how it works. God tells us. And he designed marriage to be growing, successful, and a couple enjoying that relationship. So we're going to look at four scriptural principles today. Just four for you to write down. I encourage every husband and wife, every man, woman, take notes. Write these down. We'll learn something. Now there's a key word throughout the whole teaching. And it's the word together. Say it with me. Together. Now turn to your neighbor here and say together. Sermon's about together. Here's the first one. We need to, number one, work together. Now, anyone who's been married for one day (laughs) has discovered all of a sudden that marriage is what? It's work. By the way, those of you who've been married more than one day, is marriage hard work? How many agree that marriage is hard work? Let me see your hand. Anybody doesn't have their hand raised isn't married. By the way, you singles, watch what you were talking about this morning. Marriage is simply hard, hard work. By the way, how long is marriage hard work? Till death us do part. It never changes. Now, why is marriage hard work? Let me give you two reasons. You can write them down or not. It doesn't matter. There are two S's. Marriage is hard work forever because, number one, I'm selfish. Anybody selfish here? (laughs) Everybody. That's my sin nature. And number two, the reason marriage is hard work forever is because Satan is out to destroy our marriages. So there's a spiritual aspect of it, and there's my fleshly aspect of it. The day you get married, what you battle is self and Satan. It never changes. It never changes goes away. Now remember, God is in our marriages. So we don't have to worry about that. And there's going to be some work that God's going to do in us. The Bible in the Old Testament makes this great statement. He who finds a wife, doesn't say it about a guy, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Now I want to read you a little story about a marriage that needs some immediate work. A husband just finished reading a new book entitled, You Can Be the Man of Your House. He stormed into his wife in the kitchen and announced, Honey, from now on, you need to know that I am the man of this house, and my word is law. You will prepare me a gourmet meal tonight, 
And when I'm finished eating my meal, you'll serve me a scrumptious dessert. After dinner, we're going to go upstairs, and you're going to submit to me in the bedroom. Afterwards, you're going to draw me a bath so I can relax. You'll wash my back, towel me dry, and bring my robe to me. Then you'll massage my feet and hands. Then tomorrow, guys, I hope you're writing this down. And then, then tomorrow, guess, when I get up tomorrow morning, guess who's going to dress me and comb my hair? And the wife calmly replied, I would guess the funeral director. <laughs> would you agree? This guy's dead meat, isn't he? He's simply dead meat. Turn with me to Mark chapter 3 in your Bibles. You remember our opening illustration. Look at verse 25. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Remember the home we opened the illustration with? That house is divided against itself. It's a house. It's not a home. There's no joy in that house. Why did Jesus say this? Because of this. God's plan is to build, strengthen, and protect our marriages. On the other hand, Satan's plan is to undermine, weaken, and destroy our marriages. So building a marriage simply takes a lot of hard work. Now, if you look at your marriage today, Linda and I have a, we really have a great marriage. We've been married 42 years, this year 43. We have a great marriage. But sometimes we only have a good marriage. Do you know what I'm talking about? Anybody here this married know what I'm talking about? Sometimes it's really great, and sometimes... Let's be honest, it's not so great. Why is that? Why is it? Well, because our selfish nature gets in there. So even myself, I have to work on our marriage forever. It never ends. It's the most difficult thing you'll ever try in the world is keeping your marriage together and happy. But it's the most fulfilling relationship that God ever designed. So as you look at marriage, and sometimes it's good, and other times it's great, that's because of our selfishness. And second, Satan never gives up trying to destroy our marriages. You know, if you go back in the 60s and 70s, what we never heard about couples 50, 60, 65, divorcing. Today, they're through with it. They're gone. They're going to look. They're going to look for something else. Now, the problem is, when they divorce at 50 or 60, they take themselves to the next marriage. What do they take with them? Number one, they take what? Their selfishness. They marry another person who's also what? Selfish. And by the way, there's a third person that joined them. His name is Satan. And that's why second marriages have a higher failure rate than first marriages. So we don't run... We stay in them and allow God to work through it. So work together. Let me give you a few work together principles. Number one, 
Work together on keeping God number one. Matthew 6.33 says it like this. Seek the kingdom of God above everything else and live righteously. And he, God, will give you everything you need. Notice right underneath a very important principle. Most marriage problems are spiritual problems. Now, I've been counseling marriages for 40 years. And I can guarantee you that as I do that, most of the problem in marriage is because the couples that are there have disregarded the principles of God's word. Now, if you're here today and you're not even, either one of you are Christians or only one of you is a Christ follower, it's going to be very difficult. You can have a good marriage. You'll never have the marriage God wants. But why is there marriage counseling? Well, because we simply abandon the principles of keeping God first. Remember, if you're in a home where there's a Christian husband and a Christian wife, it's a threesome. God is there. We have to keep him first. And how do I keep him first? By looking and practicing his word. If we simply obey the Bible in every area of our life, we will defeat Satan and will defeat that selfish nature that I have in me. Number two, work at allowing God to change you. Notice Psalm 139. David writes this, and I want you to see all the me's. When people come in to counsel, most of us, they'll come in and say this, well, she's wrong, and if you just correct her, I have no problem with me. But notice what David knew. He knew that he needed God to look at him. Search me, O God, search me, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Now, here's our problem. Because I'm me, I think my wife should be like me. Because really, in my mind, I have everything together. Now, don't laugh at me and look at me. You feel the same exact way. And so I think, honey, if you just be organized like me and do this and have this and this, just do these things and we'll have a great marriage. But see, I didn't marry her that way. She was very different when I married her. I loved that early on till about the second day we were married. <laughs> and then she's so different. I'm going like, who is this I married? And that just continues. Here's what you'll learn. You'll never change your spouse. How many have learned it? Come on. You'll never change your spouse. Now, how many are still trying to change your spouse? Let me see your hands. You're lying to me. Next week's lying. I've been married 42 years, still trying to change her. Just call me stupid. That's right. And I'll call you stupid. Because it doesn't work. So who is God going to change? Me. The only person that God will deal with When I need to be changed is me. Now, he won't change me unless I allow him to. So if I'm going to work at my marriage being better, I have to understand as I do that, I have to focus on me, not my spouse, and allow God to conform me to his image. 
So simply start by asking God, how can I be a better spouse? Next, work together on oneness, we and not me. Turn with me to Psalm 127 in your Bibles, if you will. Remember early on, God said the two shall leave and they'll become one flesh. What God does when we get married, he makes us one in spirit. That oneness is simply defined as being in agreement with God. We're one in our lives and in agreement with our spouse. We're one. Look at what God talks about oneness. Psalm 127 verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. So unless I allow God to build our home, our marriage, I can watch Oprah, Dr. Phil, write all these things down, read all these books. But unless God's involved in this spiritually, my marriage will be me and my wife will be me. Well, that's not what God wants. It's we. It's together. A oneness. You know, if you look at a football team on a field, and I don't have time to go into all of it, just give you a little synopsis of how it works. On the field, there's 11 players. One of those guys is the quarterback. He's the head. But there's another head on the sideline. It's the coach. He's sending the plays in. And that team is only successful if it's a we, if it's working together. In a marriage, if you go to Ephesians 5, you don't have time this morning, you can just do it as homework. We learn that God made the man the head of the home. There has to be a head. If you have two heads, it's a monster. If you have no heads, it's dead. If that quarterback doesn't call the play and go, I don't know, one of you guys just call the play, would you? Let's see how it goes. The team will never go anywhere. But understand, the husband is to be responsive to God first. He's to submit to God. God's the real coach. And so there's not this abusive, authoritative. Actually, a husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. And the woman's role is to submit lovingly and join together as a team. And we make this powerful team where we flow together. We walk together. We live together. We do. It's called we. And not me. Let's just take a moment. Those of you that are married. Is your marriage we? Or is it me? It's a good time to reflect. Is it we? Or is it me? In today's teaching, Pastor Mark talked about the amazing relationship that God had designed marriage to be. He then reminded you about the mess that fallen men and women made of marriage, trying to do it without God's guidance. You learn that God designed marriage to be three people, God our creator, and then man and woman helping each other be the best spouses possible. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. 
Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his teaching together and loving it. You'll hear more about the sad state of broken marriages these days. You'll learn the reasons for these damaged marriages and fractured relationships. Pastor Mark will talk about the way to repair these weakened bonds. And you'll be reminded that only God's Spirit can do this kind of work. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, 10 Living Words. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurry.